I've heard from many clients in the past a phrase like this: "I don't do finances. My spouse takes care of it," and that always concerns me. You don't need to be going through a divorce right now, or even anticipate it. First, I really think you should have some understanding of what's going on with your finances, in case there's an emergency. But also know how to spot the red flags in a relationships or a marriage. My guest today is Tracy Conan, who has been investigating fraud for more than 25 years, but she didn't always want to become a forensic accountant. With the dream of one day being a prison warden, Tracy went to Marquette University in Milwaukee, where she got her criminology degree. A class in financial crime investigating reminded her of how much she loved Encyclopedia Brown books as a kid. She continued her criminology degree, but added accounting and economics courses so that she could sit for her CPA exam. Today, Tracy is a forensic accountant who helps people in the process of divorce to take control of their finances and find hidden money. Please join our conversation. You and I know that making smart financial decisions can be challenging, but in the 21st century, financial freedom is no longer just for the one percent wealthy. It is for you and me. The question is, how do we find time, avoid making painful mistakes, and find the best resources to help us reach our financial goals? Join me on my journey, helping busy families figure out how they can gain financial confidence and clarity, get actionable tips, and learn from the best experts on how to stop trading time for money. It is now the time you started living your best financial life. My name is Anna Sherbunina, and welcome to the Money Boss Podcast. Hey, Money Bosses! Are you ready to get your financial life in order, once and for all, as soon as possible? Are you tired of living paycheck to paycheck? Do you often lose track of how much money you have to spend? Do you want to get your financial life together, but just don't quite know how? I am with you. I've been there. I've struggled through all of these, and I know you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself to get better. So why do you continue to struggle? I know you can get your own money in order. It took me years to figure out. It took me years of pain, struggle, frustration, anger. But you don't have to go through all of that. You don't even have to get a financial planning degree like I did in order to be successful. Allow me to present to you my Money Flow system, a free playbook of how you can automate your finances, even if you hate budgeting. After you download this free playbook, you will never have to worry about budgeting. And who likes that budgeting thing anyway? You will stop accumulating debt and create a bulletproof plan of how to quickly pay it off. You will be able to pinpoint exactly what your income and expenses are. You will never have to miss a single bill again, and you will always, always have a solid idea of how much money is in each of your accounts. So head over to money-flowsystem.com to download my free Money Flow Playbook, a blueprint to streamline your finances in less five or five weeks, guaranteed. Head over to money. dashflowsystem.com
Hey, money bosses. Welcome back. This is Anna, and I'm excited for my guest today. Tracy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Anna. I'm so excited. So today we're discussing how to spot red financial... Start again. (laughs) Welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Anna. Thanks for having me. Totally. And so today we're discussing how to spot financial red flags in the marriage. And Tracy, you have a very interesting profession. You're a forensic accountant. So can you please share with our listeners exactly what is it that you do? Very simply, I find money. I do fraud investigations. Some of that is on the corporate level with executives who are stealing from their companies. Some of that is in the divorce space. And some of it is other stuff like, you know, fighting over money in estates or companies fighting over contracts gone bad. Any situation where there is confusion about the money and we need to figure out where the money went and how much money there was or is, that's what I do as a forensic accountant. Very, very interesting profession. So I, I want to share something with you and our listeners too, because I get to hear this phrase a lot from clients that I work with. And I work with individuals or, or couples um, in all you know walks of lives, all age groups. And so sometimes I hear this phrase that sounds like this. Um, one of the partners would say, like, I don't do finances, right? That's, you know, my you know partner's responsibility or my spouse's responsibilities. And as a financial planner, I understand like finances or money in general can be overwhelming, confusing. You may not have enough education and that's fine. However, it's not optimal, right? And you don't have to be in the not so good situation, right? To I kind of understand that point. So, but from your professional opinion, like what, why would somebody needs to be on their game? Like to begin with? Well, you raise a good point about a spouse letting their partner handle the finances. It is so typical when I get involved in situations where there is a divorce. And usually my client is the one who wasn't handling the money and they're ashamed of that, or they're embarrassed. I don't know what's been going on. It's actually very typical, but as a professional who has seen it all, I would say you're right. It is not optimal. If your spouse is the one who's good with money and good with budgeting and saving and planning all of the things, I think it's just fine to have your spouse in charge of that function, but I would want you to be actively involved. And that might look like on a monthly basis, sitting down, going over bank statements and credit card statements talking about how much money we have in our retirement account and how much is in our checking account and what big expenses do we have coming up that we might need to save some money for. And so making it a routine discussion. And I like to say a monthly basis is probably a pretty good uh, you know, time frame to do it within. So you're not doing the budget, you're not paying the bills, but you are staying actively involved and at least having a level of knowledge about the finances. Yeah, I um, I agree with with that 100%. I try to make this this, you know, exercise as as exciting as it can for clients and just kind of say, "Hey, why don't you go on a money date?" Because <laughs> everybody likes that aspect of, you know, of the equation. You can have a glass of wine or a cup of coffee, but have a conversation. Um be in the loop of what's happening. Well, one of the reasons why a regular talk about the money can be so helpful is because it is less Um, confrontational. Those couples who only have the money talks when there is money drama, 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's uncomfortable. That's hard to do. But if you're having routine talks and you're staying on top of things, I think it's easier to talk about the money. And I think it's really, really important too, because what if your spouse is handling all the money and is the only one who really knows where you have money, how much you have, how the bills are being paid, what's on auto pay and what's not. What happens if your spouse unexpectedly dies, has mm-hmm. a serious car accident and is in the hospital for a month? I wouldn't want you as the spouse to be spending your time trying to figure out what's going on with the money. I want you either, you know, next to your spouse in the hospital or taking appropriate measures to take care of yourself following a tragic situation, rather than trying to figure out, is there enough money in the account to pay the mortgage this month? Yeah, I agree. There's, there's lots of reasons why you should do it. So let's talk about like, how do you spot these red flags? Like what, where do you start to look for things or just become familiar with what's happening? When I'm teaching people about money and red flags of fraud, I am telling them that, you know, red flags are, they're signs that something might be going wrong with the money. They're not proof that anything bad has happened, uh, but they are just signs that maybe you need to be worried. Maybe you need to be asking more questions. And there is literally a laundry list of red flags that could exist in a marriage. But some of the most common ones that I see and that I ask people to look out for are changes in behavior. If your spouse is suddenly becoming more secretive about things or is suddenly staying out later than before, things like this. I mean, there's all sorts of different changes in behavior. We know our spouses, so you know when the behavior is out of the ordinary. When those things happen, I get concerned. I think about things like um, not having uh, good documentation for your finances. And that might be like something like you always uh, had bank statements that you saw every month. And suddenly those bank statements have disappeared or they stopped coming to the house. I know a lot of people don't always have those mailed anymore, so that's a little bit different. But uh, for a lot of people, they might have a drawer at home, a a filing cabinet where they keep all of these things. They do keep a copy of tax returns or bank statements. When those things are missing, suddenly I get concerned. What's key with the red flags is that we are looking for signs, multiple signs. If you were to just see one thing that is concerning, I would say keep an eye on things. But if you saw three, four, five red flags, then I would really be starting to get worried. Mm-hmm. One one of the things, as you kind of describing the, you know, the what to look for, or you know, the the red flags to spot is like keep in my head, keep ringing like, well, this is you know one of the ways that creating a financial plan helps somebody to just kind of get in the loop of what's happening in your financial life, right? You don't have to be in as involved as, for example, you know. Uh, your spouse, but at least you're, you know, you understand where all the pieces are. And two, like to, to think about it from a more positive angle, like everybody's striving, right. For financial success. So how do you like even know, you know, that you're on track to get there? How do you reach financial goals? So like looking at, at that from, from that angle, um, at least excites, you know, some more, you know, people a lot more than like, okay, these are the bad things that are happening or potentially could be happening. Right. And keeping up with looking at the bank statements and looking at the credit card statements, not only will help you be prepared for your finances, but could help you spot those red flags. You see money being spent 
um, at stores that you've never heard of before, or you see in your bank statement, a credit card company being paid and you never knew your family had a credit card there. Now you have a chance to ask some questions about what's been going on with the money. So again, keeping it very routine, help you stay on top of things and maybe spot those red flags. I don't want to scare people. Everybody has fraud. That's that's not where I'm at. But I am saying I want you to be informed and I want you to know about the kinds of things that might be cause for concern. Mm-hmm. So the now the uncomfortable side. So let's say you did you know, spot that something is going on. How do you like bring yourself up to have this conversation? Like, what do you do? The conversation is hard, right? Because I don't want it to be confrontational, but it's hard. If you are having suspicions about what's going on with the money, how does it not end up being a little bit accusatory or confrontational? So what I like people to do is take a step back. Let's say you saw some red flags that suggested maybe your spouse had a gambling problem or maybe was having an affair or maybe was hiding some money. You saw something that just, maybe you found a bank account you never knew about and that might make you think your husband, your wife is hiding money. The first thing I would have you do rather than having a conversation is I would have you start gathering information. So I would have you get as many account statements as you legally have access to and start putting those in a safe place because that information is going to be your proof if you ever need to prove to someone that your spouse is doing something wrong. So really protecting yourself and gathering information is where I like this to go first before that conversation happens. Because if that conversation goes south, um, you at least have documents to help you in whatever situation and whatever actions you need to take. Um, The conversations though, really, I have, I always suggest to people to go back to, I'm just trying to get informed. I want to know what our money has been spent on. And so that seems to be the least confrontational way to approach this type of situation. So, and I wanted to understand a little bit too, um, like when do clients, you know, or folks find you in, in terms of like this process, right? Maybe they have been at it for a while or something is happening. Maybe perhaps they are like on the path of working with an attorney, right? Or there's other professionals that help you get a divorce. Like when, when do you come in, in this process altogether? And how do people even know to look out for someone like you, right? With, with, with your expertise. A forensic accountant is usually going to get involved when the divorce process is already underway. It's Mm -hmm. pretty expensive to get a forensic accountant involved. I usually say figure 10 to $15,000 to start. More than that, if you have a complicated financial situation, have a lot of accounts, a lot of assets, things like that. So I always say get a forensic accountant involved in that divorce situation sooner rather than later. So when you start going through the financial discovery process where we are gathering bank statements, gathering tax returns, things like this, that is a good time to consult with a forensic accountant if you have suspicions about what's been going on with the money. And Mm -hmm. typically for me, it will be the attorney saying to the client, you probably need to have a forensic accountant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So it's a recommendation of a professional, which, which makes sense because then at that point you probably are with an attorney looking at all of the details and if things don't 
adopt and okay i just wanted like because this this process can get because clients call us too believe it or not right and sometimes you know we have to outsource because you know here at main street and what i do as a as a financial planner it's not divorce planning right any of that there's more comprehensive planning but they assume like okay well if you do that then you can do that for me I'm like yeah not quite so you know, having like a good idea of when do you invite another professional who has a better expertise is really important. Well, and there are resources like CDFAs who aren't forensic accountants, they're certified divorce financial analysts, and they have different backgrounds. Some of them are divorce coaches, some of them are financial planners, some might be accountants who have, um, you know, gotten some education and knowledge in the area of divorce. And so, to me, if you had a client coming to you with concerns in the divorce process and you said, well, I really don't handle that. If they weren't all the way to that point of needing a forensic accountant because they just weren't sure, a CDFA might be a good next step. That would be one of the options as well. Yes, true. And we can actually link, um, a, I know they have a database where you can find somebody locally, like you know, in your own backyard. So can we talk a little bit about, I, we've had just a little chat about the, like the emotional side of things, but how do you, you know, how do you, how do you stay sane through this process, right? Because as money, as uncomfortable as money gets when it, the situation is great, how, you know, maybe you have some best tips in seeing, you know, how people handle throughout this process. I think it's a difficult process for people to handle because divorce is already so emotional. It's probably one of the most difficult mm -hmm. things that you can go through. For me, working with my clients, I try to stay focused on gathering information because I always say knowledge is power. And I like mm -hmm. to say we are nothing without a plan. And so I approach it, um, you know, from the least amount of emotion in it as we can because numbers aren't emotional numbers just are what they are. So for me, keeping that positive focus on getting the information we need is a way to sort of, I guess, offset some of the emotional issues in the case. Yeah. And I'm sure there's probably also counselors available, right. To help folks handle those kinds of questions and, and, and move along the process. Well, what's interesting sometimes when I'm involved you know, I can have a case where someone is concerned about the money. We talk about the cost of doing some forensic accounting work. They're a little bit nervous about it. And I say to them, here's the question. You don't know if money is missing or not. Which mm -hmm. would make you feel worse? Spending mm -hmm. money on me and maybe finding that nothing is missing or not spending the money and always wondering what the truth was about the money. And for some people, they will say, you know what, I actually would be okay if, if some money, you know, in my divorce, you know, doesn't get found and my husband gets to keep it, I would be okay with that. Uh, it would, it would make me feel worse to spend a lot of money on a forensic accountant and then come up empty. Um, and then mm -hmm. there are the people who are the other way around. They say, you know what, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night unless I knew exactly what happened with the money. So I'm willing to make the investment just to find out. Yeah, no, it's, it's, there's definitely something in the knowing. I can understand that. Now, something comes to mind, just more from, from my experience. Do you ever work with people post-divorce? Like once things are finalized, or I guess at that point when divorce decree signed, is it, is it too late to do anything or make any changes? I work with people at divorce, after divorce in a couple of situations. One is if their spouse uh, typically I'm on the side of the person who is receiving spousal support or child support. 
And if Mm -hmm. the other person has gone to court to try to modify those support payments and have them lowered, I might come in and do Mm -hmm. some work to try to help sort out the numbers, figure out how much that person really is making so that they know what the correct support payments should be. Or I might come in if someone is trying to reopen their divorce on the basis of fraud. That is really, really hard to do. Uh, The Mm -hmm. states don't make it easy for you to open up a divorce once it's closed, but I have been involved in cases where they have been reopened because whatever was hidden, whatever information was not revealed during the divorce process was so significant that a judge said this divorce settlement or divorce judgment just isn't fair. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's more rare, but, but common. Okay. Maybe this is just some questions that a client had, but um, we can chat about that offline more specifically. So, um, from what you're describing, you work with folks one-on-one, uh, present, you know, presenting your services. But I think uh, you've shared also that you've created a what's called the Divorce Money Guide program. So let's talk about that. How someone can um, take this training and and kind of get on on the starting path of figuring this out. Because it's so expensive to work with a forensic accountant, I wanted there to be another option for people. I was you know, feeling terrible that people would call me looking for services and the cost was just too high, or they didn't have enough money at stake to make it worthwhile to spend the money. But there was really not a lot of other options out there for them. So I came up with the concept for the divorce money guide. And it's really a do it yourself process where um, the product offers videos, uh, written materials, worksheets, checklists that walk them through What's going to happen in the financial part of their divorce? What financial documents do they need to get and how do they get them? And then what do they look at once they have them? And the divorce money guide can be used in two different situations, uh, but very closely related. The first being someone is getting divorced and hasn't been actively involved in the finances and doesn't know where to start. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking you through, here's how you get your bank statements. Here's how you get your tax returns. Here's what you look at in them to understand them. And the other situation is that person who is worried about how their spouse has been spending the money or worried about whether there is hidden money. And they are trying to, you know, they've seen some of these red flags and they're trying to find out exactly what has happened. So those are the two ways to use the guide, very self-directed. And I just wanted to be able to help as many people as possible who have these questions so that they don't have to settle their divorce without feeling like they know what they need to know about the money. Yes, I love I love that you have it sort of for two angles, because I think most people probably initially would fall into like, I want to understand what is what and what is happening, because it's complex. I mean, <laughs> you don't have to get a degree right in either financial planning or become a, a CPA. But it's um, it's definitely involved. So how so how long do, how long is the program like wh- how long it takes for somebody to go through? Like I I kind of want to all know all those details. I'd like to say in five hours or less, I can show you everything you need oh. to know to completely understand your money. Now, how long it takes someone to gather all their materials and go through them? Um, that would be on top of it. But it's five hours of me showing you exactly what you need to know. It's ten steps but people don't have to do all the steps and they don't even have to do them in order. So if you have a specific concern, you could go right to the step that addresses that and just do that one. So if you went all the way through, I would say five hours or less to do mm-hmm. the materials, but you could do you know less of it if you have fewer concerns. 
Mm -hmm. So what are, what are some like more common roadblocks that you see someone going through the program or someone going through the process? Like where do people get stuck in terms of not being able to access the information? Uh, like I, I'm just That's thinking a good one. one. Yes, that is a good one. So I like to tell people, if your name is on a bank account, you have legal access to get those statements and get that information. What we find is people might not have online access because their spouse had that and won't give them the password or change the password. But you, if your name is on the account, you're entitled to have a login to that account. And so you can contact your bank and get a login. If for some reason you weren't still able to get online access, you can get your statements directly from the bank. You're entitled to that if your name is on the account. So teaching people those kinds of things has been really important. Um, another big roadblock in getting information is the tax returns. Mm -hmm. What we find is that the spouse who's been in charge of this, of the finances, will not give up copies of the tax returns. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might have even had maybe a CPA did your tax returns. And so you call the CPA and say, I'd like a copy of the tax returns, but that person has been working with your spouse and is not being cooperative. So I show people how to get their tax information directly from the IRS. And mm -hmm. once you know how to do it, it's super easy. I walk them through. I, I actually do, um, uh, there's a video with a screen share where I show exactly on the IRS website, what to click on, how to do it. And you can just bypass your spouse and get all of that tax information. So it, you're right. The One of the biggest stumbling blocks is getting the information in their hands. Mm -hmm. There's, as far as I know, but correct me if I'm wrong, there is not like a central database that would like run your profile and say, here's all my financial accounts. Cause you can have joint accounts, right? With someone and you can have individual accounts and like retirement accounts have to be in your own name. So you know, me as a spouse may not even know that, for example, my significant other has accounts. So like, how do you address the not knowing piece of like, I don't even know what account this person has, much less, you know, where to go and look for it? What we do is start with the information that we already know. You probably already know one or two banks that you do have accounts at. And I have people start out by making a list of the accounts that they know about or even if you don't know about an account, just say, you know, my husband has mentioned Wells Fargo Bank a bunch of times. I don't know that we have an account there, but I've heard him talk about it a lot. Then I say, put Wells Fargo down on the list. We don't know if there's an account, but let's at least put it on the list as something we want to look at. Or so you start with the accounts that you already do know about. And as we start going through statements for those accounts, sometimes we will see clues to other banks, other accounts. Mm -hmm. We might see a payment to Bank of America, and we never knew about that before. So we would know that there's probably an account there. And your attorney can then do a subpoena to that bank to get any of the records that are related to accounts there. So we can find out it's a, it is a, you know, a process of, you know, looking for pieces of evidence, or I say, you know, uh, have you had any mail that came to the house from a bank that you didn't know about before? Is there somewhere that you applied for a mortgage at that maybe you didn't end up getting the mortgage, but is a possible place that there could be accounts? So that's a that's the way that we approach it because you're right. There isn't a central database. Anyone who tells you, well, this private investigator can find out where all the accounts are, don't believe it. A, most of them can't. B, the ones who can are doing illegal things to get that information. And we, we talked a lot about, or examples we're bringing in this conversation, like, you know, accounts, bank accounts, retirement accounts, things like that. What about, you know, other types of assets? I'm just curious, like, you know, business ownerships. 
uh, real estate, uh, cryptocurrencies, like that's the hot one, you know, these days, like, how does that, is that does the process for some, for finding information on those types of assets is the same? Cryptocurrency is really, really hard. And part of the reason is because it was set up to allow anonymity and allow people to do secret things with their money. So that is, that could be a whole podcast with an expert in that area. When it comes to finding real estate and business interests that you maybe didn't know about, I do for that send people to private investigators. There are mm -hmm. private investigators who specialize in doing this kind of thing for a divorce. They will sit down with you and talk through all sorts of questions to gather information about you and your spouse and people that you both know and business interests that you did know about. And they just start running down all of these leads and trying to find, mm -hmm. you know, common threads. There's a guy your husband did business with before. Let's look at what we know about that guy and see if he's got any other businesses. So that stuff can be discovered, but it takes time. It takes mm -hmm. money to hire the professionals. Uh, but I do like to tell people, don't think that there isn't hope for you because there is a way to find out this stuff. And what I find is that people who are hiding money and hiding assets always make mistakes. They always make mistakes. I've got one of my favorite stories to tell, and it's so silly and simple. I was working on a divorce case in the Chicago area, and I was going through all their bank records, looking at all their transactions, and I found a check that was made payable to a utility company in Arizona. And so I asked my client, do you have a vacation property in Arizona? Or I was thinking maybe she was going to say, we paid my in-laws electric bill one month or something, right? I thought it was going to be something completely innocent. And she said, I have no idea. There should be no reason why we're paying a utility bill in Arizona. We ended up for a variety of reasons, getting a private investigator involved. And as it turned out, her husband had bought a property in Arizona, mm -hmm. uh, had bought a condo there and called, called it a rental, but it wasn't really a rental. It was for his girlfriend to live in. And he had a separate bank account that he used to pay the bills for that property. That bank account was in his name only. But one month he accidentally wrote the electric bill out of their joint account. <laughs> I like to say they always make mistakes. <laughs> I see. Okay. That's, that's fair. Yes. <laughs> well, um, so in, in conclusion for, you know, for our discussion today, um, I'd love for you to share how our listeners can connect with you. I know you you do short, very informative uh, videos on social media. I've watched a few. Um, and also, you know, if there's anything you want to kind of conclude and anybody finding themselves in this situation. Absolutely. And you're right. I do. I uh, have a profile on Instagram where I give short divorce tips and some fun stuff too. I'm there. Uh, my handle is Divorce Money Guide. You can also find me at divorcemoneyguide.com. And that will take you to the Divorce Money Guide and give you some more information about what's included with the product. Uh, for your listeners, we're doing $100 off the product with a coupon code Money boss, all capital letters, all one word. And I believe we're going to put that in the show notes as well. So I do, you know, want to give everyone an opportunity to get a little bit off of the product. 
Appreciate it. Yes, totally. We'll include all of that in the notes. And so just to conclude, as, as so, if someone goes through the program, there's options for them to reach out to you for questions, right? I know there's tutorials and all of that. How, how does that connect? The program, um, the standalone program is really self-directed, but there is an option to upgrade to a uh, group coaching option. Okay. So for group coaching, we meet once a week and I go through some material from the divorce money guide, showing people a little more about how to do things, giving them some more tips that can really help them sort through their finances. And then we open up the floor for ask Tracy anything. And so that's everyone's opportunity. If you found something, if you're stuck in what you're doing, in the divorce money guide, if you just have a question, like I talked to my attorney about an issue that was bothering me and he gave me this answer, but I still don't feel good about it. What do you think? Anything they want to ask, they can get answered in the group coaching. Perfect. Okay. I think those two go really nicely hand in hand. Great. Well, thank you so much, Tracy, for your time today. Any last minute thought? I'm just so happy that you had me. I'm just excited to be able to help people understand their finances. Don't want to scare people with all the talk about fraud. I mean, if that is your reality where you've seen some red flags, I hope that we've talked about can help you. But for those who are sort of the average person, the opportunity to take a little more control over your financial situation and learn more about your money is what excites me about the Divorce Money Guide. Totally. I'm there with you because that's my mission is, has been and um, will be going forward is to help people be smart about their money. So wherever they find themselves. So, so excited exactly. we were able to connect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, Money Boss. Thanks for tuning in today. If this episode did help you, then please be sure to share it with someone else you think will benefit from it too. After all, smart financial decisions are for everyone. Uh, so don't be greedy. I hope I can help you even further by sharing with you how thousands of clients I worked with in my career over the last 16 years created their very own successful financial lives on their terms. It's hard for me to do this over an audio, and if you are ready for the next chapter in your life, then be sure to go to MainStreet-Money.com to get your free resource guide to help you begin correcting top six financial mistakes I see people make all the time, such as not having clear financial goals, not having a handle on spending or saving for the future, not knowing how to get rid of all the debts, and of course, not having a clear strategy or plan on how to protect your hard-earned money. Until next time, remember, you are the boss of your money.